0: This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. I was always curious about this question that, okay, what is a good life? The interesting part is now I actually feel heard and I feel understood. And that's the great part about building a community. Uh, You're scratching your own itch, but then you also realize there are so many other human needs which are being fulfilled, the biggest of which is being connected with each other. I want to keep it as open and accessible. They might feel that social debt of sorts to support the community. Hello and welcome to Season
1: 3, Episode 8 of the Passion People Podcast. For the current season... Our premise is a focus on the creator economy and monetization in the context of COVID. If this is the first time you're tuning in, you can listen to the episodes in any order you like, depending on what captures your attention. Today, we are in conversation with Abhishek, the curator of the Remote Indian Slack community. Remote Indian is the largest community of folks working remotely from India with over 1,500 members. One of the key monetization levers that creators have is to curate a community. It is not just about having a WhatsApp group where one sends their episodes, but there's so much more that can be done. The more value one gives to the community, the more inclined the community members will be to pay it back, monetarily or otherwise. In Abhishek's case, the community revolves around remote workers from India, the problems they face, how to get over them, finding a remote job, taxes, finances, etc. As a creator, your community will be made around your content for your audience and the discussion points and the value you provide will change accordingly. I believe that the insights that Abhishek provides can be translated by any other creators looking to start their communities. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Passion People podcast. Hey Naga, it's my pleasure to be here. Abhishek, in the current season, we're talking about Creators and how they're monetizing in the context of COVID, and in in the spectrum of monetization, I believe that community creation is a very important aspect that a lot of creators either miss out on or don't think about it in the right way. The reason I'm excited to be talking to you is because you've successfully conceptualized an idea for a community and scaled it to over a thousand members. So I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation. And thanks, thanks for having me, man. Super. So I think a good place to start would be just to give our listeners a background of who you
0: are and also some background on remote Indian and we'll take it from there. Uh, A computer science grad passed out in 2010 and started off working in, in an MNC. This was quite a while back. I knew that this was something which like I was always curious about this question that okay what is a good life? And somewhere, you know, the feeling was that going to an office job and not having any say in where you could work from, I I felt that wasn't like wasn't right. And obviously, I I am a guy who likes to pursue my curiosities or pursue my questions very seriously. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how this whole journey started. It took a while, but after three years, I, I really decided that I needed to shift path learned ruby on rails on my own followed a bunch of people on twitter and saw that there were developers like me who were making remote work for them and i i knew that uh, this was something better than you know what i had so that's how i started off with my remote journey and in august 2017 i was working out of a co-working space in in a tropical island called Koh Lanta this is in Thailand and i was feeling really blessed and this was not the first time that i had this you know overwhelming feeling of joy i had spent 2 years of working remote till then but my my fear was that this joy could be short-lived i wanted to build some resilience into this this joy so one example that i would like to give is what happens if my client uh, goes away or you know if i lose my job when i used to speak to my friends their answers weren't very helpful they would say that you could reach out to recruiters or you could linkedin is is a platform that you could use but then i i knew that the journey that i was on it would not work out for me and that's where the idea of remote indian started it was just a way to build some resilience into this remote working career of sorts. And I thought that if I could be connected to folks who were working in similar companies, that way if they had any open opportunity in their company, chances were that I could have first dibs on it. So yeah, but over the past three years of running the community, I started this in August 2017. So I've been doing this for more than three years now. The interesting part is now I actually feel heard and I feel understood. And That's the great part about building a community. Uh, you're scratching your own itch, but then you also realize there are so many other human needs which are being fulfilled, the biggest of which is being connected with each other. That's pretty much my story till now. And we have grown to more than a thousand members. Obviously, COVID had some role to play there. And as you can see, a lot of people have now, you know, started working remotely. And let's see, I think I'm, I'm quite excited to see where we can go with this.
1: Are you also continuing your remote job currently or is Tinker uh,
0: tinker of the community a full-time gig? I was working till the end of last year. I felt that remoteing was something which could be my life's work. And I had this financial runway of sorts, like I had some savings which i could take a leap of faith here by trying to see if remote indian can be sustainable and yeah i i think this was the year where i i hadn't planned that things would like there would be a pandemic and all of these uh, you know uncertainties would come about but i'm happy to say that this has also been a great you know learning experience for me like just focusing only on one thing which is remote indian I think helped me to clarify a lot of ideas.
1: You, you mentioned about uh, having a financial runway that allowed you to take the jump. Can, can you elaborate a little bit in terms of how you thought about it? How long this runway spanned and why uh, that length gave you the comfort?
0: Definitely. I'm, I'm from a very normal family. In my family, nobody understands what I do <laughs> for a living. So in, in order to have that, let's say, sanity, I would say, like... Just having a, a safety net of sorts, I think that gives you a lot of confidence to, to to do whatever you want to do. So I didn't want to have that thought behind my head that, hey, I'm actually, I don't have money to pay my bills and things like that. So I had saved around one year of, of my living expenses. And that's that's how I kind of, you know, reasoned about it that if I can get to a reasonable number which was $500 MRR I think that was my minimum viable income so I, I thought if I could reach that number by the end of end of 2020 then I can look at doing this more seriously otherwise the the idea was to go back to a remote job and do this as a side project or something and are you close to that number right now yeah I've I just crossed that number 10 days back so Quite excited to finally reach that milestone. It might seem like a very small number, but for for me who has been trying to figure this out and you know make this sustainable, I think this was a, a very big win for me.
1: Can you walk us through the process that you went about in terms of scaling remote Indian from from just you essentially, right, to where it is today? How did you think about the values that the community stood for and what what were some of your uh, thoughts at, at the start and how, do, how are you thinking about the same thing now?
0: As I mentioned, right, at the start, it was just about building my own network of sorts. Like I was kind of building my own LinkedIn, like rather than using LinkedIn as a platform, <laughs> I was kind of under the impression that I needed to do this my own way. But over this, this uh, period of time, as I've started to enjoy this idea of building a community, there are three things that have you know worked for me. One of the first things was having some rituals. So the examples that I'd like to you know, share here is we have these zoom calls every Saturday, wherein I would either invite a guest and we could, you know talk about a very unique challenge. So that was one of the things that built that habit around which the community could be built. The second example for a ritual would be the weekly newsletter that I, you know, send out. That was again helpful that I was resurfacing the the most valuable conversations happening in the in the community. Because a lot of people wouldn't necessarily check Slack every week. So for them, this newsletter was a way to kind of catch up with what things are going on. So these rituals were very important. I think every community needs to have some rituals which can hold the community together. Then the second thing which I would like to you know mention is that I highlighted the folks whose, whose behavior I wanted to promote in the community. There were some people who have been very integral pillars in this community and just giving them a voice or acknowledging their behavior, I think it gives you... That, that freedom or license to also feel that, okay, you're part of this. And that's something which has helped me a lot. So every time somebody has sent a pull request or every time somebody has collaborated with me on, on a particular project, I have made it a, a very clear uh, intention of giving them a shout out or maybe sending them an Amazon voucher of sort Something to make sure that this is what I would like. I don't want to be... The lone wolf here and third it's a thing which is important to me is that being very authentic I did not want to do something which felt uncomfortable to me I, I knew for sure that if this was going to be sustainable then I cannot be trying to be something which I'm not someday that facade will go away and that's where I, I, I knew that I did not want to be very outgoing I was comfortable in one-to-one conversation. So that's the medium which I chose. And I felt that helped me to sustain because because sometimes you burn, get burnt out, right? If you're trying to do something which is very different from what you are. These are the the key ways I've tried to make this work. A ritual
1: that helps keep the community together, incentivizing good behavior and staying true to your authentic self. Like these are things that have
0: worked for you. Can you also share some of the things that you tried that did not work? I used to think in in that solution mindset. I would, you know, learn something new. Uh, there would be some no code platform maybe which I came across, and I thought that hey, why can't I use this to build a member directory or things like that? But later on, these things wouldn't work out, and that's that's something which which I realized. Second, I would say was the idea of uh, having these buddy calls. The intention was to connect people within the community but I realized that it was a very passive way of you know doing it in the sense that people had to take the responsibility of making sure that uh, they can book a calendar reaching out to the other person things like that so I would say generally things that have worked out where I have been very active and the places where things haven't worked out wherein I have tried to scale too early. Like I've tried to build a product, institute a system even before qualifying that there is a problem. So I think that's a, you know, great learning on this. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. So in terms of your journey, right? If I'm, if I'm drawing a parallel to what a creator does versus what you do, typically creators go through this creating content, distributing content, creating a community around the content, right? Mm. However, I think it, your journey is unique in the sense that you you created the community, and then you're creating content that caters to the community, whether it's the weekly newsletter, whether it is, you know, how do you keep the community engaged by having these rich-
0: as of now, I think that's the system that I'm following, wherein I'm using whatever content is being created in Slack to create my newsletter but i would say that these are different stages earlier i used to write a newsletter wherein you know the content would be fully created by me so initially i feel for any community to work out you need to have uh, n number of people like n can be a number between 100 and 250 depending on how how the early adopters are so in in my case i started off with a newsletter wherein i i used to Just write down my experiences and talk about the challenges that I faced or the thoughts that I had. Over a period of time, I think it became a little narcissistic and I I realized I would burn out doing this. That's where the shift happened, wherein I, I wanted to take this microphone that I had and I wanted to give it now to the community and I, I wanted them to ask. But again, there's a time and place for, you know, this, I, I I would say we can keep switching between content and community. You don't want to be a place where you're the only person holding the microphone. And you also want to make sure that maybe the community feels that they also have a voice and they are being heard. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it makes a lot of sense because uh, like you said, when you're making all of the content yourself, right, you're trying to bring about certain insights, you're trying to bring about so many things that may be there, or, you know, it, you could be imagining them, what you're doing is you're meta curating the newsletter, right from content that's already there, yeah. that the community has already made, that, that I'm sure makes people feel heard and feel like they're recognized. I, I remember one of those weeks where I was one of the top contributors and I was like, hey, it made me feel nice. Seeing your name there, feeling recognized, I'm I'm sure that it's going in the right direction because I definitely felt good being there. That's something that I've specifically noticed in remote India. I've been a part of communities in the past where all of the communities have always been focused on themselves. It's all about taking. However, remote India was the first place where people were so willing to give. And th- that was something that really in my mind, set it apart from all of the other uh, communities that have been a part of in the past. They're so willing to answer a question, to hop on a call, really support each other. So what what was it that you did apart from having the ritual, incentivizing the good behaviors? Was there anything else that you did in order for the community to always be in this paid forward kind of mindset?
0: I'm not sure what has worked, to be honest, but I I genuinely feel one of the good things which I did was having these lengthy phone conversations with some of the members, the early members. I stopped doing it because now there are so many people. Earlier, I, I used to just ping them on Slack and just start a conversation. And then I would call them up. And I felt those were the places where it solidified the first Pillars of, of the community. The community cannot stand only on the shoulder of one person. So people imbibe that spirit, and then over a period of time, they transfer that same spirit with with other members, and that's how spirit is being carried forward. Yeah.
1: In a lot of ways, it, it really just seems like a startup, right? Because your first few hires decide a lot about the way the culture of the organization is shaped and it seems like it's similar in community building as well because what what you've essentially done is that you've set the tone you've set the context you've set the values that you hold dear and you've made sure that the earlier adopters of the community are able to follow that and now that the those are the efforts that are now paying off
0: as the community scales in my you know case i would say that there have been very lucky breaks which have happened and I'm I'm grateful that I've come across people like you who have come into the community at the right moment and shared your knowledge. And that's how things have evolved. So one of the other things that
1: I also wanted to get your thoughts on Abhishek is what are the things that people should keep in mind when they're growing their community, maybe from like the first few members to the first 50 or 100? And then how does that evolve over time? Because I'm sure that two years down the line, your priorities are different than from where you started. And they're going to be different As you grow, how do you see that transition, and what are the different things that you focused on till now, and what will you be focusing on in the future?
0: I think the the most important thing for any person who is you know doing this from scratch would be to reach hundred or two fifty people. That's the magic number, which of sorts, wherein the community actually feels like a community. Nobody wants to hang out in a ghost town, right? Great part about building your own thing. You can make a lot of mistakes and. Just say that you learned from them. So if I had to do it again, I would definitely focus more on distribution. I would say if you are creating value, I think an example would help here. In remote Indians' case, one of the things that could have been done or like it was done to some degree was curation of knowledge. There's so much content being thrown around on the internet about remote work. So if I had to really get my first hundred or get the attention of first 100 to 250 people, I would spend some time creating value, curating this content. I think that's the easiest way to spark a conversation of sorts. And once you have those number of people, I think then the, the question is that if you sometimes an audience makes sense you can just keep it as a as a newsletter of sorts the important question is that do you feel the value of the project going to increase if you activate all these nodes there are 250 people now in your newsletter and let's say you give everybody a voice now if they feel that okay now we also can participate in this process of creation that's the way to go about it i did it to some degree but it took a really long time for me i think it took me Almost two years to get to 250 members. So that's something which I would say is one of the key learning points. Getting to your first 250 members very quickly. You can use Twitter, Instagram, any of the places where folks are already hanging. How things have changed, I, I feel that there's, there's this constant dance between being very personal, having these phone like conversations with specific members. So you have to have, keep that element also there. But at the same time, you have to also think about scale. So there's this constant dance that any community manager has to do. You don't necessarily want to take that personal element away. But at the same time, just to make sure that more people can find value, you have to start thinking in those elements. So that could mean instituting some systems. That could mean identifying people who can run the community on your behalf. You don't necessarily need to be the only one who moderates the community you want to identify other leaders as well iterations are the only way to figure out what works and what doesn't i feel if you can do these small experiments that helped me a lot i would maybe ship a small product and see whether it resonates with the community or not do these zoom calls almost on a weekly basis at the end of the day it's it's consistency how consistent you are how persistent you are with this you said
1: it, it's about bringing value to the community and initially you brought value to the community by uh, curating content around remote work and right now i see uh, value being driven to the community by you know the numerous remote work opportunities that get posted on the channel the ability to interact with experts and get their doubts clarified which could in most other circumstances uh, would be paid advice and people are only giving advice because it's the remote indian community now the community members are deriving value you've got a critical mass of 250 people or 1,000 people. How should community managers think about monetizing? Because in the start, you mentioned that uh, you've hit kind of your uh, target milestone of uh, $500 of MRR, Mm. which is an interesting way of putting it. But how did you think about monetization and any thoughts in terms of how community managers should think about value and how that value can be translated into monetary contribution uh, for the community manager? Especially
0: for folks who want to do this full-time like you. This is definitely the thing that I've struggled the most. (laughs) I've seen many people run paid communities wherein they would just have a paywall of sorts that if you want to join the Slack community, you have to pay this membership fee. I wasn't sure that I could do that because I don't have that pedigree. So that's one of the things that I you know, realized. And I also read this book called Gift Economy and there's the an- another one which is Big Magic. So the biggest learning that I've gotten from, from reading these two books is that creativity shouldn't be responsible for paying my bills. So now what I'm trying to do is using a donation-based business model and there are a couple of products which are my favourites. One is Wikipedia and the other is Khan Academy. I think those two products have, you know, shown the way. I am experimenting with this similar kind of model because for different people you will find different utility out of it. Right. And secondly, I want to keep it as open and accessible. For some members they might not have the means right now, but they could use the community to improve their financial situation. And later on, they might feel that sh- social debt of sorts to support the community. That's the thesis of sorts. And recently, I, I came across this version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs for a creator. This was shared by Lee Jin. She's the one who coined the term passion economy. So what she says is that the first level is the pul- fulfillment that you get from creating. That's where somebody has to start from. You cannot start from monetization for any creative project. So one has to have that fulfillment. That should be the number one reason for creating anything. Then you go on and build an audience or a community. And The third level is, which is basically nirvana of sorts, which is monetization. If you can crack that bit, I think you have reached the 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 top level and it's definitely a blessing if you can get paid still a long way to go man (laughs) i feel this is this is just a start people are figuring out different ways and models and not one way can necessarily be considered the golden standard of sorts so for me i'm going with this this idea of the gift economy i'm trying to put out work i'm trying to share as much knowledge make as many connections as possible the thesis is that people will find enough value to become patrons and that's what has happened i now have more than 40 patrons who are supporting me so there's no fixed amount that you have to pay depending on what they feel the value that you're getting. it's a very interesting kind of a model and i would like to double down on this as we wrap up our episode for people who are listening and where can they join the remote
1: indian community and get to See and experience the magic that uh, you do there.
0: And also, any closing thoughts? I think people can go to the website remoteindian.com. That's the main landing page for the community. And once they sign up there, they will receive an invite to the Slack group. That's essentially the home of the remote Indian community right now. Closing thoughts would be that we are kind of living in a renaissance era of sorts where this is a renaissance era for creators. And I'm quite excited to see the possibilities that like more and more platforms are being built. It's essentially becoming easier to do this as a full-time thing. So I am quite curious and excited to see how the world, the passion economy or the creator economy evolves. Fantastic. I think you've shared... Some really great insights,
1: basic things in terms of hygiene that uh, creators who are curating their first community need to keep in mind, and also a, a lot of good inputs in terms of what worked for you and what didn't. So, thank you, Abhishek. Thank you for coming on the Passion People. Communities can monetize in several ways. However, the key attribute of a successful community is one where members feel heard, recognized, and valued. Abhishek summarizes how he incentivized these behaviors early on, identified and shared the values he had for the community with the early adopters so that everyone was on the same page. And last but definitely not least, institutionalized some rituals to ensure that the community does not feel like a ghost town and they have something to look forward to on a continuous basis. Remember to take away... The relevant aspects of our conversation today and apply it in the context of your community, your target audience, and your content. This is Naga signing off. Have a great day. In case you have not already subscribed to the show, do subscribe on the Epilogue website or your favorite podcast streaming platform.